0: Okay, welcome everybody. Welcome my friends on Zoom. Welcome my friends on Instagram. Um, okay, so we are on chapter 30. We actually are going to be doing 30 and 31 today. They're directly connected. Um, but before that, we are going to do, we do this every couple weeks, um, a nice comprehensive review. So we can kind of put everything um set up in our heads to set us up for the next part. So we don't always do the whole thing um, la- a couple weeks ago we review because we had a really big break, but now we're actually going to start from chapter one. We're going to do it really quick. And I think it never, ever hurts to get that little review in because there's so much that we learn and it just kind of helps us put it all in place. Okay. So very, very, very briefly, chapter one, we learned about the struggle of our two souls, And we talked about the existence of our animal soul, which is driven by survival, right? It has an impulse to survive. Chapter two, we spoke about the godly soul and its impulse is to be selfless, to self-annihilate, actually. And we talked a lot about that at the time. Chapter three, we learn about the faculties, the 10 powers of the soul, right? We have seven emotional powers and three intellectual powers, right? Which one creates which? Just to put you on the spot. <laughs> the intellectual ones come first, right? They are the parents, they give they give they give birth to the emotions. Chapter four, we talked about the modes of expression. Well, how do this how do these 10 faculties actually express themselves? What's the, like the interface between the soul and the world? And that's thought, speech, and action. Chapter five, we learned um, what's the food for the soul? Torah study. Torah studies food for the soul. Um, chapter six, we learned about the composition of the animal soul. So everything that the godly soul has, the animal soul has as well, right? Because that's how it works, the way Hashem created the world. Um, Chapter seven and eight, we learned about the negativity that's in the world. So just like we have that negativity inside of us as a greater picture, the world also has negativity. And we called it klipa, right? We learned about different kinds of klipa. What's um, the two types of klipa that we mainly learned is the klipas noga, which is the um, neutral Klipa, which means that we have the ability to elevate it or to downgrade it, depending on what we do. What did we say? 99% of the world is Klipas Noga. 99% of the world we can affect either negatively or positively. And then there's klepas Timaeus, which is just negative that you cannot touch. And we use the example, um, like a no trespassing sign, right? Like don't think you can elevate it. Don't think you can make a bracha on a ham sandwich. It's not going to elevate it. Just stay away, right? So there, chapters one through eight was our kind of like our lexicon. If you were in medical school, it would be like gross anatomy, right? This is setting the stage. We have the terminology. We have the words. We, we know we know what we're working with. That's the introduction to then actually learning tools and doing the work, okay? So Chapter nine, we talked about the small city, um, that our body is a small city. We have two kings who are fighting for complete control. Who are these two kings? The animal soul and the godly soul. They're, and they're fighting for complete dominance. Like they don't want to share custody, right? Um, and how does this conflict play out in different personalities? So then in chapter 10, we talked about, well, how does this conflict play out in a tzaddik? And we learned about the two types of tzaddikim and what does that mean? What what does their insides look like? And then we talked about how does this conflict, chapter 11, how does this conflict play out in a Russia, right? What does this mean for the Russia? How does this look? And then chapter 12, we um, talked about the Bainani, which is our main focus, right? And um, the Bainani is very, very interesting because he has the insides of a Russia, but the outsides of a tzaddik. What does that mean? That he has complete behavioral control. On the outside, he is perfect. You would never be able to differentiate between a tzaddik and a bedani if you were just looking at him. Only God knows and the person himself knows. No one else would know because his actions are perfect, okay? Chapters 13 and 14 is a continuation of understanding what this bedani personality is like. And we introduced a tool, the number one tool that the Bainani uses is Moach Shalat Al Halev, which means the mind rules over the heart. It all boils down to that in simple English, impulse control, right? So how does the Benini, um actually have perfect behaviors? It's because he has impulse control and it's hard and he has to work hard. But this is the number one tool that the Benini uses, right? The brain rules the heart, hands down. Chapter 15, we talked there, about there's two types of banity, one who works and one who doesn't work, right? We said there's some people who are born with the um, propensity to just be good, right? Does that mean they're serving God? they're serving God by default, but they're not working. Sir, work equals service. In order to actually be serving God, you have to be doing the work. So we have to find a way to push that comfortable Benini out of his comfort zone so he's actually serving God, right? Chapters 16 and 17, we learned a new definition from Ma'achal Dal Halev. It's the second tool that the Benini uses, even though it's It's called the same thing, but there's two definitions, and that is to slowly get our emotions congruent with our actions. It is hard to sustain. Um, We spoke a lot about this. It's hard to sustain doing something that you don't want to do. If you're constantly like having impulse control, it gets exhausting and eventually that rope will snap, right? So eventually we want to try to actually want to serve God, right? We want to want to. Right, so that's Malkshal well, Talay's second um, definition, and is basically getting our emotions working with our actions. And how do we do that? Through meditation, right? So when we meditate, we can actually create emotions, right? Now it's interesting because you can't control the emotion that you're feeling in the moment, right? Emotions come. And you can't necessarily change them or control them. But what you could do is, is if you choose to meditate on a certain concept, for example, the greatness of God, if you choose to meditate on the greatness of God, you can create that love for Hashem. So you're, it's not an, it's not like you're trying to change an emotion that already exists. You want to be one step ahead. You want to create emotions through the things that you're thinking right? So that's the second tool that the beta knee has. It only can come after the first tool. Okay. It can work side by side actually, but, but the Tanya is putting it in the order of like, this is really how this trajectory should go. It's going to be very, very hard to create that emotion and really be invested in it if you're still all over the place with your actions, right? Although nowadays we really focus on doing both. Okay. Chapter 18 through 25. What did we say about meditation? What's the downside of meditation? Takes a very long time. It's a lifetime of work. Um, You, you, you could make progress, but it's a slow progress and you can't just one day decide I'm going to meditate. And all of a sudden you're successful. It takes a lot of time to be able to really, really create those emotions. So we have a question. What happens if I need to create that emotion right now? It's an emergency, right? So that's chapters 18 through 25. We spent a long time in those chapters. Um, A lot of people who teach Tanya do them as one section, but we didn't. We delved into it and it was intense but if you were to, to you know kind of summarize all those chapters in one it's basically understanding that we have an emergency hardwired system which is our latent love which every single Jew is gifted with how do you invoke that latent love it's so the time it talks about this emergency situation if your godly soul feels threatened that it's going to cease to exist it pulls out all the stops and it will it will sacrifice everything. Right. So that's kind of like we talk about, like martyrs, right? It's somebody who martyrs their life for the sake of God. But what, but we don't live like that in our day to day life, right? So Latanya t- teaches us that we can actually in, in employ that tool in any given moment, right? If we view a separation of Hashem as total severance. Like if we view a transgression as a total separation of Hashem, that can invoke that latent love and kick, kick in that emotions, those emotions that we need. Okay. So that's 18 through 25 chapters one through 25. Remember we spoke about this more recently. We're getting more recent. Um, we can, the time could stop here right? We have everything that we need. We have our, our vocabulary. We have our tools to become a Bainani. Remember, we're not trying to become a Tzadik. So Bainani, we, we can, we're done, right? So why does the Tanya continue? Because we don't live in a perfect world and there's problems and there's troubles. And we now, as we enter chapter 26, we are now troubleshooting, Okay, what are we troubleshooting all sorts of things. Chapter 26 starts off starts off by saying that we need to serve Hashem with joy. Not because joy is the ultimate the ultimate, right? A lot of times in this society we serve joy, like whatever makes us happy, that's the ultimate. But really joy for us is a tool to serve Hashem because whatever you do with joy, you do better. Anything done with joy is done better. So if we want to give our best to Hashem, then we need to serve him with joy. But what, ha- what gets in our way of joy? We have spiritual problems and, and mundane problems. So the first half of 26 deals with our mundane problems and how we d- deal with that and how we reframe and rethink problems, how it's all from a higher source of good, right? And then the second half of chapter 26 talks about spiritual problems, guilt for our transgressions, right? and how, and what are how do, what do we say about that super super short guilt has no place if you have a random thought of guilt it's your animal soul trying to trap you right so we don't fall into that trap there's a special specific time where we think about our day and we make and we decide how we're going to deal with our poor choices and what we um look forward to the next day okay chapter 27 deals with shame not shame for a particular action, but shame for almost who we are, for having negative impulses and desires. What kind of person am I that has negative desires? What is that? What kind of person that makes me, right? So then we have shame. And then the author comes and tells us, no, 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 you can't, don't have shame about that. It's actually really good, right? And we went into that. Chapter 28, we spoke about um, we're, we're sad because, where we get distracted during prayer, right? And again, the altar says, reframes it. Wow, that means the animal soul knows that you're doing a really good job. So of course he's gonna pick it up a notch, right? Chapter 29, which is what we did last week, is all about apathy. What did we say apathy is? Our worst enemy for our relationship with God. Nothing is more dangerous than apathy, Okay and um what did we say how do we get rid of that apathy not in today's days right because we can't handle it we have to smash it right just like if you have a big log that can't catch fire you have to smash it so to our soul if it's not catching fire for hashem it's apathetic we need to smash it and we spoke about last week one of the ways that we smashed our um animal soul was through like an intervention, right? Like listing all the things, convincing, trying to convince our animal soul that we're not okay. Right? So here we are in chapter 30 and in chapter 31, we're gonna continue and wrap up this discussion. The reason why we wanna do 30 and 31 together is because we're still kind of in this harsh. So that was a review. Anyone who is joining now or was listening and is kind of like, what's happening? We just reviewed everything we did until now now we are entering new new stuff okay so these two next chapters are still out of character for tanya because it's much more harsh we don't usually in particular. We're always focusing on the positive because that's just really much more effective. But there is this one little section which is a little bit more harsh, and we talked about why that's important. Um, but we don't want to drag this harshness out for many many classes. So we're wrapping, going to wrap it up hopefully today, and then we're back on track with how we usually frame things. Okay. But like I said, in these chapters, even though they sound a little harsh, there's so much to learn out of them. So here we are, chapter thirty, direct continuation from chapter twenty-nine, right? So um, we we still are looking to smash our soul, okay? So because we, we had one tool that we learned in chapter twenty-nine, that was the intervention. But what if we have a really stubborn person who even through that intervention is like he's still hanging on to the idea that he's okay. And what does he tell himself? How does he get there? How does he how does he think that he's still okay? What does he do? He says, um, I, maybe I'm, I'm not that doing that great but I'm doing much better than that guy, right? Basically, he looks out into the world and he finds somebody that's less um, actively religious or serving God or practicing than him. And he says, well, at least I'm not doing that, right? Hold the phone, right? Like, ooh, we got, we have, boy, do we have to teach this guy a lesson, right? So um, we basically, we need need to knock this animal's soul down a peg or two, right? And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned last week, but really the source of apathy is actually interesting. I wouldn't have thought that this would be the source of apathy, but the source of apathy is actually smugness, right? It's this smug, like, I'm okay. Like, I don't need to work hard. Like, yeah, maybe I'm not the best, but I'm okay with that, right? So it's the smugness that leads to apathy, okay? So um, Tanya brings a quote from our sages that goes like this. It says, we have to be humble before all man, okay? So there's this quote, right? So, so this directly relates to this person, right? Because it's talking to this person that decides to judge another person based on what they see in front of them, right? Based on what you see, um, we're judging whether this person is in service of God or not, right? So you look at your own service and then you look at somebody else's service and you say, Oh my God, uh, at least I'm not doing that. Right. And it gives us this false sense of security and smugness, that we're okay. What does the Tanya come and tell us is that you cannot be comparing a snapshot picture of what you see on the outside to what's actually going on with somebody's insides. So you can be looking at somebody who is outwardly less religious. I'm using this term religious, but you can substitute it for anything that you want. Less menschlich, less, you know, um, good character, whatever, you know, any of these things, you get what I'm saying, right? So you look at this person who seemingly is on a lower level than you, but what you don't know is that you don't know the struggle that's going on inside of this person. So this person outwardly may be um, transgressing or not leading a holy life. Um, Yes, thanks, thanks refined, good word. Um, but you don't know how much struggle he, he's going through just to get to the place where he's at. Per, and the tiny says, probably this person is struggling way more than you. And what do we know about struggle? Pull it out. What do we know about struggle? Struggle is service, right? So this person who outwardly looks like he's got it bad, might be serving God in a way more intense way than you are. Because just because you are practicing all the commandments, if this is something that you don't have to put any effort into, you were raised that way. You don't even think about it. It's just second nature. Yeah, you're doing the things, but what's your service like? What effort are you putting it in, into, into all of that? So the altar says, don't think that you can look at somebody else and say, oh, I'm way better off than he is because probably you're not. Probably this person who's having a harder time on the outside is really, really, really struggling and is actually working very, very hard to do the things that he's doing, okay? So listen, I ha- throughout this chapter, I make a few disclaimers, right? Because we need to always keep things in perspective. We don't talk to people this way, right? You can never talk to somebody else that way. You're never supposed to go over to someone and say, by the way, you are struggling less than you. Like we don't know, right? And actually we're not even really supposed to talk to ourselves this way. This is a unique circumstance. We're not supposed to go around bashing ourselves Or even attempting to compare ourselves because that's just not going to work. But remember, we are in an emergency situation. We are in a state of apathy, so we are smashing the soul. So this is a unique experience where we're actually um, using these tools. But it's not—it's out of the ordinary. It's not—it's not normal that we're we're talking to ourselves that way, right? We're pretty being pretty harsh, but this is what needs to happen to knock us down a few pegs because we're acting smug. Okay, smugness leads to apathy, which is our worst enemy. Okay, so um, the other thing I want you to remember is that we are talking to someone who's at chapter 30, right? What does it mean that he's at chapter 30? It means that he has gone through this whole process. He actually has impulse control, right? He's doing all the things correctly and he's stuck. He's actually, we even know he's actually meditating. How do we know? Because chapter 29, how did it start? Chapter 29 started by telling us, how do you know if you're apathetic, if you're meditating and you're not creating any emotions? And you're not, this is not just a meditation you meditated once. This is like somebody who's really, really practiced meditating and it's not working. That's how we know we're down the apathy rabbit hole, right? So this person is in chapter 30. So he's done all that work. So he can talk to himself that way. Somebody who's holding by chapter 10, who hasn't done the impulse control or all that kind of stuff, can't talk to himself that way. Right? Because that, that would be much too detrimental. We can't. So remember, we have to always keep things in perspective. And we have to know that the Tanya talks to us in order. Um, the Tanya is a, it's like how the altar spoke to his students. Right? He didn't have time to have personal um, meetings with all of his students and he was getting a lot of the same questions. So he put it all in a book. So it all builds on each other. Okay, so that's an um, important thing to remember. Okay, so then the Tanya gives an example you know, of something that you might be doing, but you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And the, one of the examples that the Tanya gives is tzedakah, right? Do you give Tzedakah in the way that's comfortable for you, right? That fits in your budget, which means you're still giving Tzedakah, but you're not really feeling it, right? Or do you give Tzedakah that pushes your limits and really challenges you, right? You might only have $50 in the bank and you're giving 35 to Tzedakah, right? That's pushing, right? That's a, you're gonna really feel that. If you um, have $5,000 in the bank and you give 50, Right, You're still doing the mitzvah, it's still a beautiful thing, but compare that to somebody else's service, you don't know what's going on inside of him or his bank account, right? So this is just an example of a mitzvah that you can do comfortably, or you could be pushing yourself, right? And we need to be honest. How are we serving Hashem? How are we going about, it doesn't, the Torah is not, the Tanya is not advocating for us to be irresponsible and to be completely living above nature, but the Tanya does advocate the work, right? So each and every one of us have to look inside ourselves and see where do we need to work? Are we, there's certain things like for me, keeping kosher and keeping Shabbos, right? Right. It doesn't take effort. I mean, it takes like physical work, but it's not like I'm fighting with my Yitzhahara to keep Shabbos and kosher. Why? Because I grew up that way. So I have to find my, I have to do something about that, right? I have to find something that pushes me to the point where I'm serving Hashem. And for every person that's different. Somebody who wasn't, who didn't grow up with that life and keeps Shabbos and kosher mind blowing. Mind blowing because this is a complete lifestyle change that takes so much effort that doesn't fit into their life, doesn't fit into their family's life. And here they are doing the things that equal service, right? Curry, I see you. <laughs> um, so so but we all have the places where we need to push ourselves. There's certain things that you know that are hard for me that might be not hard, like certain things that are hard for somebody who's from, from birth can actually be easier from someone who's not right. So we all just have to be really honest with yourselves. Look inside. It's all about really looking inside of you. Nobody else can know besides you and Hashem. It's between you and God. No one else can judge you. Nobody else is going to know. Right.
1: I just just want to scream that from the rooftops. Like, I I just want to scream, like, you don't know what other people we don't know what other people are going know. through. There's just no way to know, and that's just not the measure of where someone is. It's just not. I just want to. I just want that message to like be broadcasted. We need to. And, we and need anyone. to. And I think <laughs> we so
0: much of it. We spend so much of our time judging other people. That Tanya will. It almost comes back to this. Almost every chapter. How many times does it say, "You're not gonna know the difference between a tzaddik and a and a, and a baini. You're not right because there's no way. Only you're not gonna know someone's circumstance, someone's struggle, how hard they had to work just to get to this point, right? We never know what's going on inside of us. So if there's one thing that you come away with this in this chapter or any other chapter is mind your own business, literally, right? Look, worry, I tell my kids all the time, they're always like concerned about the other child. Like, I'm like, like I feel like I can put a tape recorder on and say, worry about yourself worry about yourself, worry about yourself. But then I'm like, then sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, but then they're going to stop caring about other people. Cause I'm always like, worry about yourself. But I try to remind I like, them in connection I like, to judgment, in connection, I like stay, we always stay in We all care about each other, but we don't want to judge each other. And it's not our business to um, critique or judge or change our neighbors. And if you want to affect change, right? Because this world needs change. You affect, you change yourself, right? You Change yourself and you put forth your positive energy. And if that has a slow, um, effect on the world that you're doing your job, don't, act, it's never going to work to go and like try to change a certain person or a certain group or a certain it's all it's because it's just, it's going to fall flat. Always look inside of yourself, do the thing that you can live with that you feel proud of and hopefully that energy spills out and then affects change in small ways so um okay so what so i I left by the example example of sadaka okay now um can i
1: pause you for a second because you just came up with a metaphor that was similar what you're saying like if you're a good driver and you stay in your lane and you're a good driver in your lane, like the road is actually easier for everyone else if you just stay in your lane.
0: I love it. You have the best metaphors. If if anyone who wants to (laughs) hear on Instagram, if you didn't hear, basically like if you're a good driver um, and you're in your lane and you're not swerving, you make it easier for everybody else, right? So when when you focus on your own journey and path, it also makes it more enjoyable and easier for everyone around you. So remember... And so remember, we're back to this person who's um, trying to like still be smug, even after his intervention. And he's like, well, at least I'm not like that guy. Right. And he said, you cannot think you're better than somebody else because you never know what's going on in somebody else's life and how much struggle they're putting into what they're putting out. Okay. Um, so that is chapter 30. Now we, we flow directly into chapter 31, okay? So we can get done with all this harshness and um, move on to the stuff that we have more fun with. Okay, so it's actually funny because chapter 31 literally starts with a disclaimer, right? It starts off by saying, we're well, not really a disclaimer, it starts by the ultimate acknowledging how hard this is. Right. He says, I know, I know this stuff is all very intense. Right. Like, I get it, but we're going to move through it. We have to talk about it and then we can move on. So the Altareva himself is like, this is hard. This is hard to hear. We don't necessarily want to be in this place, but we need to. And then we're going to move on. So let's say um, you think about all this stuff right? You think about all, you know, your mind's going through, you, you go through your intervention and you go through, I think I'm better than this person. And then you go through this whole process of making sure that we're, that, that, that doesn't work either. And you, and the altruist says, you think about it for an hour or two, right? Like he puts a time on it. Like it's not even that long, all this stuff that we're thinking about. Let's say you think about it for an hour or two, and then you become broken hearted right? Because this is a lot, like we're smashing, we're smashing ourselves, right? Um, and what do we do with this broken heartedness? Like, okay, now what? So we think about this stuff, here we are, we're broken hearted. Okay, now what? And here we make a distinction between sadness and bitterness. And this is why tanya keeps me fascinated all the time is because it's like i always say these are literally therapeutic tools that were given to us by a hasidic rabbi in the 1700s okay and we're using this stuff today now we're going to make a distinction between sadness and bitterness okay sadness i.e depression um slows you down and incapacitates you right it kind of like pulls you down. Remember, whenever we talk about depression in Tanya, it is not clinical depression. It is not, it is circumstantial depression. Okay. So it's not something that's about a brain chemistry situation. I always have to say that because it's important that if it, if the Tanya talks about that, if it's a brain chemistry thing, we first have to address that because your brain is not working and it's optimal way. And then we go back to our service. So here we're talking about a situational depression, right? Sadness, it pulls us down and we're not, it's not productive at all, okay? When you're sad and when you're depressed, you are not, um, and at least I speak for myself, you are not productive. I want to stay in bed. I want to be slow. I don't want to really accomplish anything. I'm not really capable of accomplishing anything. Um, and that's what sadness is is like bitterness on the other hand is um it's more of like a frustration okay it's a frustration and it's like a it's it's a frustration almost leading it has a little bit of anger in there right and what the difference is is if, of that is that it is motivating right? So if you're really frustrated about something and, and you're frustrated and you're motivated for it to be different, you actually want to, ch- you want to do something. About, if you're frustrated, it's more activating. You're activated, right? You're kind of, your energy level is up. You want it to change. You want something to be different, right? Very, very different than sadness and bitterness, right? So, um, So obviously, in this scenario, we're not feeling joy, right? But we're not feeling sadness either. When we say that we're heartbroken, we are not sad. Because sadness leads to nowhere. It's like what we said before in chapter 26 and 27, guilt, shame, all those things are never useful. So we don't ever want to use them because they don't lead to anything positive or lead to change or lead to self-motivation. So sadness also falls into that category, sadness, depression. Like that's not where we want to, after all this process of smashing, we don't want to end up at sad. We end up at bitter. We end up bitter, meaning frustrated. And when we end up at frustrated, what happens? We're motivated to change. We want something to change. So it's a good thing. It's, so it's, it's, it's a resistance. good thing to be yeah. bitter, to be bitter, bitter in the translating it as frustrated. We're frustrated with ourselves. We're like, how, how did I get here? How am I so apathetic to this, to my service of Hashem? I've gone through this whole process. How, how am I, how am I in this place? I need to do something about this. What am I going to do about it? Right. It's very, very different than sad. You're with me. Yeah. Yeah. Any questions? Okay. So remember generally we're all about the joy, right? Because we, we want to serve Hashem with joy because we want to give Hashem our best. How do you give Hashem your best by serving Hashem with joy? But here we're stuck in this apathetic ditch. Okay. We're stuck in this ditch and we're apathetic. How do we pull ourselves out of this ditch? Now. ditch? Um, So the frustration um, arouses within us action, okay? We want to do something about this, okay? So um, it's very interesting. I'm gonna, we're gonna use a couple metaphors to describe how we're gonna use bitterness to fight the negative, right? How are we, we're fighting basically into one of the, the examples is we fight fire with fire, right? When there is a wildfire, and I live in Montana, so we talk about this a lot. Sometimes to control the wildfire, you have to set the, the perimeter, you have to set the perimeter around, uh, uh, you have to set the perimeter on fire, right? And that controls the burn and that brings it like, doesn't let it go further. Right, so we fight fire with fire okay another um metaphor is the axe that chops down the trees in the forest is made out of wood do you ever think about that is that true yeah the the axe that you're using to chop down the trees Okay. okay (laughs) Is made out of wood. Do you ever think about that? Poor trees. We're literally using a tree to chop down the tree. How how horrible is that? But what the message is here is sometimes we we need to give the negativity a taste of our own medicine, right? So not in the sense of like, um, like a got you kind of way, but like sometimes the only way to fight the negativity is using the negativity itself. Okay, so this is what we're doing. We have this negative apathetic problem. How we're going to get rid of it is by using another kind of negativity, the bitterness, to rot, like, make us feel frustrated enough to fight against that negativity. Um, Is this, okay, one second, I have a question. Is this something that's applicable today or is it similar to last week that we don't use this method nowadays? Okay, so I think the whole general smashing um, technique is not used today. I think it was specifically talking about that like intervention situation. I do think that what we're learning today is a little bit more um, user-friendly because it's not as like, belittling right it like an intervention is tough i think we can all use this in the sense if we ever walk down the street and say at least i'm not like that person this is the tools that you're going to use okay um but i think in general this whole like harsh kind of approach is not something that we we take lightly and it's not something that we're going to use all the time does that make sense okay so we're using our, a negative against a negative. We're fighting fire with fire. Are you with me? Are we good so far? Okay, so if we can trace back the negativity to its source, what's the source of everything in the world? God, good, right? <laughs> God, God, even the negative things. If you trace it back far enough, then you know it's good, it's godly, right? You'll have to go back, pretty far back. But if we can trace this negativity all the way back, so, and we're, so we're really using the negativity and our perspective of the negativity is actually, it's actually gonna be used in a positive way to smash this apathy that we're suffering from, okay? So um, this bitterness, this frustration is something that leads to action. Even though it's negative, it's leading to something positive, right? There are negative things that lead to positivity, right? Sadness doesn't breed positivity. It breeds more sadness, okay? bitterness, frustration, if used in the right way can lead to positivity. Okay. So the frustration is when we are frustrated with ourselves, what what are some of the messages we say? Of course I can do better. Of course I can. I can do better. This isn't me. This is not my, who I am. This is not how I behave. Right. And so it, so it, 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 it pushes you to, to face the hard truth, but then you use it as a catalyst to change. Right. So it's leading you to a more positive situation. Um, so at the end of this chapter, um, the alter basically says you need to sit yourself down and you need to give yourself a frustration monologue. Okay. And he actually tells us, what to say to ourselves? We don't even have to reinvent the wheel. We can tailor make it to for us. But and I'm I'm gonna give you like a a synopsis of what the Alter Rebbe says that we sit down. There's a solution. We sit down. Here we are. We're bitter now. We're frustrated, right? So this is what you do. You have to give yourself this monologue, this frustration monologue, and this will almost without fail lead you to. The next step which is pulling yourself up out of this apathy so what's this frustration monologue okay we're going to finish soon so we have time for a meditation but i think we're still doing good on time so this is what the altruist says this is what you're telling yourself okay truly without a doubt i'm right now I'm very far removed from hashem okay and it's not good it's loathsome like when i look at myself and i see how far i am from hashem
1: Hmm,
0: yucky. Um, yet, all this is myself alone, the body with my animal soul. So all like the, 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 the part of me that's responsible for this is my animal soul and my body, okay? Yet, there's another part of me, the part of Hashem that's divine, right? We all have a divine soul within us. And right now, this divine soul is an exile. It is trapped in a dungeon, right? Um, and it's an outrage. And you're frustrated because the the divine soul, which is this beautiful piece of God, isn't. It's trapped by your animal soul and your body. So. Um, the further estranged I am from Hashem, the deeper in exile my divine soul is, right? And um, we have to have pity and compassion on our divine soul. Therefore, I will make it my whole desire, the whole reason I am in this world is to liberate, my divine soul, it's actually, and the rub says she, the divine soul is feminine, um, from exile and restore her to the palace where she belongs. Okay? So you have to look at your divine soul as this beautiful princess who's living in the slums. Sad. You have a lot of compassion for something like that. This beautiful princess, this refined, um, regal, Beautiful princess is living in the slums. So now you're going to make it your mission to free this princess and restore her to the palace where she belongs with her father, Hashem. So this is why we're in this world. Take everything else aside. We are put in this world to continue to reunite our soul with its father. To reunite the soul in its palace. Okay. So that's the speech. That's the speech you give yourself. Okay. Um, so to review, because we kind of went on a little bit of a journey. Chapter 20, we started with in this, for this like harsh discussion on apathy, we started last week in chapter 29, right? And we said, uh, <clears throat> you're not remember we're we're reminding this person you're not okay and here's the evidence right We, we put him in an intervention and we said here's the reasons why you're not okay right chapter 30 comes along and says but really I am okay because if I look at so and so I'm doing way better than that person so I'm really I'm really okay right and that brings us to the um opposite conclusion basically we say actually this person that you're looking at is probably struggling way more than you is probably serving god in a way more active way than you are so you're actually in a worse place than you actually think okay then we go chapter 31 after all this after the intervention and this like this self um, judgment that we put ourselves in, like comparing ourselves to somebody else, which brings us to an even a uh, deeper fall, right. Um, you basically, we just want you to know that it's going to be okay because you're going, you're, you're, you're not going, you're not go, you're not landing in sadness. But you're landing in frustration and bitterness, which is gonna lead to action. So, in the end, it's all gonna be okay because you know what to do now, right? You're not stuck in sadness and depression, you're frustrated. And now you have a whole monologue to talk to yourself, right? Here I am, my animal soul and my body is holding my beautiful godly soul in captivity. And my whole purpose in this world, my whole job is to free this princess and bring her back to the palace, okay? So it's all gonna be okay, right? If we, we know what to do, right? We follow this journey. This is why these chapters exist. Imagine if the author didn't talk about this and we fall into the apathetic rabbit hole and then we're stuck because we don't know what to do about it. Right? So here we are, we have, we now know, right? We're all these troubleshooting chapters. We now know how to deal with mundane problems, right? About money or children or health. We know how to deal with guilt. We know how to deal with shame. We know how to deal with the, uh, the animal soul interrupting our prayer. Right? And now we know how to deal with apathy. Even though it might take quite some time, And our soul and our animal soul might be really stubborn and it's really going to try to, to convince us that we're okay, but we know the process and we know what we have to do. We need to fight fire with fire. Okay. So we need to fight this negativity with this big passion of, I'm going to free my divine soul is trapped. And I, I am not okay with that. Okay. And, um, if, we were to take away from this whole situation. This is what you, I hope you go home with. I want you to go home with the concept of coming away with a new sense of identity, okay? It should be, it, it's a hundred percent possible and probable, that you can have a healthy frustration towards your animal soul, and at the same time cherish your godly soul. Right? They wor- It works together. So we can be fresh. So like, like uh, Dasi said, is this something that we do nowadays? Maybe not so much in connection to apathy, but in connection to our day-to-day life, we can be frustrated with our animal soul, our yitzhahara, our evil and inclination and deeply, deeply, deeply respect and cherish our godly soul at the same time.
1: I feel like we actually like get frustrated because we believe in the potential to be better.
0: Exactly. The reason why you're so frustrated with your godly soul is because you cherish, I mean, you're frustrated with your animal soul is because you cherish your godly soul so much. Exactly the point. Okay. It works together. It works hand in hand. So if you were to come away with anything, it's, I have an identity, right? I sometimes feel like I have split personality, right? I get pulled in many different directions. We, the altar, a told us in chapter one, all the way in the beginning, it's normal that you feel crazy. Cause I put two souls in you, right? That want different things. So this is normal. And we can be frustrated with our animal soul and deeply respect and and um, have so much appreciation for our godly soul at the same time. Okay? And guess what? We're going to get this, get to this in later chapters, but deep down the godly soul is the real me. Okay? So you um you you're basically you're fighting the fake you from obstructing the real you this is what we do all day the the fake us is our animal desires and our and our body and all like that's the fake us right the real us is a divine soul so a whole day our fake us is trying to obstruct the real us and our job is to not let that happen okay so um it's basically a me versus me situation okay it's a and what happens when there's a me versus me situation? There's emotional conflict. So don't think you're going to get out of this journey unscathed. Conflict is okay. We're going to have emotional conflict. What happens when we have emotional conflict? It means we're in the fight, right? If you're like, mm, it's all good. I don't have any conflict in me. Um, maybe I would be a little worried, right? Like, Unless you're a Tadic, which I wouldn't know, right? If you're a Tadic, then that makes sense. No emotional conflict. They've already conquered their animal soul, okay? So emotional conflict is part of the deal. Part of the deal. Not going to get away with it. And I think that just takes away so much of that angst because if we go into our service of God thinking that it's supposed to be easy, it's just going to come naturally, why don't I feel spiritual, then we're set up for failure, because those are not practical expectations. But if you come into your service of God knowing that you have an animal soul that's fighting you, you have a godly soul that's trapped, and your job is to keep on uncovering your godly soul despite the animal soul, which means you're fighting yourself, of course there's gonna be conflict involved in that. There's no way out of it. And I think when, I always say, half the time that we are disappointed is because we didn't have realistic expectations. So if we set those expectations for our, you know, in our daily life, and then how much more so in our godly life, we set those expectations, then when we have conflict, we're not freaking out, because we know that this is how it is. And then we can look at the conflict, and we can be like, okay, me versus me, I get what's happening. What what am I going to do? Okay, so that's chapter thirty and thirty-one. Any questions before we meditate for a couple minutes? I wrote you a question a while back. Oh, I didn't see. Oh, oh, oh! I'm confused with serving God with yet joy yet struggling with serving Him as when serving Him is good. Okay, so I'm confused with serving God with joy yet struggling when serving Him is good. Like a, I'm not understanding, like a, like almost like a conflict between the joy and the struggles. If you're I'm supposed to be joyful while you're serving God. So then you don't really, you're not really struggling. If you're joyful, you're not really struggling. Right. You what happens when we're not joyful? The whole, the whole chapter comes and says, What if we're not feeling joy? We're feeling apathetic towards our service of God. We're like, eh, we don't really care. So how do we get back to that joy is what this whole chapter is about. How are we? Yes, we're supposed to serve God with joy, but we're human. And what happens when we don't serve God with joy? How do the we struggle. get back to that place of joy? We
1: struggle. We struggle. I, I think the struggle we, also increases that joy. Right. Like because so the, we've struggled so the struggle and it's so hard increases to get there. That
0: joy, but it's like, it's like this cycle, right? The cycle of we're never, I mean, if you're on an emotional journey, you're, it's never just looks like this, right? It's going to look like this right? So sometimes we have joy. Sometimes we don't have joy. How do we struggle to get back to the joy? And then something else brings us down and we get back to the joy, right? So it's this constant journey of keeping our, our relationship with Hashem going, right? And of course the ultimate is to serve Hashem with joy, but what happens when we're not happy serving God and we don't want to serve him and we're apathetic and we don't care about our service, Here comes this chapter to tell us that I can't fathom that. I can't imagine not serving God. The apathy. The apathy. Apathy. Apathy is a. If you're not an apathetic person, if you're a passionate person, apathy is something that you don't really relate to, right? But there are people who are have tendency to be more even and more calm and more sedated. Apathy is makes sense to them somebody who's passionate and is on fire all the time probably is not going to have the problem of apathy they'll have other issues but apathy is probably not going to be something that they struggle with so it's a very it's a very it's a personality thing too right well we're talking about someone apathy or has tendency to be apathetic so i'm talking about just apathy towards god right just but if you're apathy. Right. If you're, I more... could, ha- I could have apathy for other things, maybe in my life, but for God, there's no way. I mean, it's, I well, changed my life. What's well, your secret?
1: <laughs> Tell. I us. don't know. I I changed <laughs> yeah. my life
0: overnight. I like changed my life for God. Yeah. I became just like. So I connected. I venture to say that you're not an apathetic person, right? You're probably not. You're not. You're probably not apathetic about most things. Oh, probably not. Probably. Probably not. Yeah. Okay, let's do a quick meditation. If there's any questions after that, let's do it. Okay, get comfortable, wiggle around, take a deep breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth, gently close your eyes. I want to try something a little different today. I want you to try to have like an even count with your breath. So try three counts or four counts, inhale, and then four counts outhale, or whatever number you chose. Okay. That helps our mind focus on our breath and it doesn't wander as much. Okay. So inhale for four, exhale for four. Is your body holding any tension? Notice where that tension might be if you have any. Shoulders, gut, chest, head. And then just imagine that tension just melting away. Hopefully you are starting to feel more relaxed, more open. I'm going to share with you some things that hopefully you can take home, take home with you and think about throughout the week. Always judge others favorably because you don't know their circumstance and their power of their impulse to evil. Okay, so one of the main takeaways is you never know what's going on in somebody's life. So don't even go there. You're not living up to God's expectations if you're not aggressively fighting your impulse to evil, to have more devotion and less distraction. So the, the service is in the work. Okay, we always have to push ourselves, we have to know ourselves, and we're not fighting our impulse to evil if we're not doing that. Okay, sit with those thoughts for a minute. Okay, this is from chapter 31 sometimes negativity needs to be met with negativity fight fire with fire sometimes a short bout of frustration can knock you out of a bad state okay Okay. the last thing that I want to leave you with is this idea of this new um, what was the word I used not personality um, identity this new identity that we have that we can um, be frustrated with our animal soul and love and respect our divine soul and know that this is the work the me versus me the fake me trying to hide the real me. And our job is to uncover that. Okay. And that will lead to emotional conflict. That's okay. That is the name of the game. So hold those two things and they work together. They are not, they're not contradictory. Okay. Take a minute for those thoughts to just wash over you. Try to notice how those things make you feel. Does it fill you with joy? Does it make you nervous? Does it leave you with tension or does it leave you feeling free? No wrong answer, just observe. Bring your attention back to your breath. Don't worry about what your brain is doing now. Let it do its thing. Focus on your breath in through your nose out through your mouth. You can go back to those even counts if it helped you. You can start to be more aware of any sounds, smells. You can feel your feet on the floor, your seat on the chair. Bring yourself back to the reality. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes. Okay, how are we doing? Anyone on Instagram, I can see the chat. So if you have any questions, be you're welcome to put them there.
1: Anybody on Zoom? any questions? any chats? Um, I have a, yeah? a comment. I don't know if okay. this if this example is like fits, but as you were talking about how it's preferable to be bitter than sad, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about a this is like kind of random, but, I was in a college class and one of the exams was on Yumtif. And I went to the professor, told the professor, and she's like, Oh, nothing we can do about it. Sorry, like you're just gonna be penalized. I was like, This feels ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. And so I started getting really revved up about it. Um, and the other students kept telling me, like, Sarah, give it up. Like it's not just just move on. It's not going to go anywhere. I was like, how in the world can that be okay? Like that's not okay. And because I was so frustrated, I eventually, I went to this person, I went to that person, I went to that person, and eventually it made change. And wow. what like everyone had wanted me to do was like, just kind of just give take it up, like just give up. And that frustration motivated me to make actual change because, and I think anger gets a really bad rap Um, and I think sometimes my therapist says all the time,
0: like anger is a really powerful tool. Like sometimes you need anger to survive because if you weren't angry and you were depressed, then you would just be, the anger gets you caring enough to do something about. So anger has a lot of merit if we channel it in the right way. And so I think that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. If you would have been like apathetic and um been like depressed about it and sad about it and be like there's nothing I can do nothing would have changed but because you were frustrated and angry that affected change which is exactly what we were talking about right um go ahead anybody who has to go thank you guys for joining um it's the highlight of my week seeing all your beautiful faces um we will be here next week, same time, same place. Um, Love you all. Let me actually stop the recording. Should have done that earlier,